This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to How to Bay Area, the show that explains how to get stuff done right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. I am Keith Manconi. And I'm Melissa Colross. And today we are going to discuss how to make it big in the Bay Area's music scene. And folks at home that have not entered that music scene may not be aware that on any given night of the week, you can enter a bar or a pub or a venue of some sort that has live music in the Bay Area, many of them with open mic nights that just any old random person can walk into and start singing their hearts out. You, you yourself, tonight, could have an audience of literally dozens, <laughs> maybe maybe fewer than that, but some number in, in, in rapt attention watching you perform. Uh, I know that because I, I dabbled in this industry very briefly uh, when I was in college. I got to know some of the major venues, uh, Hotel Utah I performed at, uh, Iguana's down actually all the way down in San Jose is a really nice burrito place that occasionally lets people pr- perform as well. And I just think that it's really fascinating that here, if you are a musically inclined person of any standing, of any talent level, you can find an audience for yourself. I'm really curious as to why you only dabbled in it briefly. Why are you not still going to the open mics? Well, then I got like jobs and stuff. and Oh, I, oh Keith. <laughs> you know, the world does not need to hear my half rehearsed ramblings and squawks and squeaks. I only the primo stuff for the Bay Area audience. <laughs> but Melissa, the reason, so again, just to remind folks, this is How To Bay Area, and in keeping with the spirit of keeping KCBS a very practical sort of station, news you can use all day, every day. Absolutely. The point of this show is to give you folks, to just to open up the door on some uh, little considered facets of the Bay Area and explain to you how you can get involved yourself. Uh, once again, we are talking today about how to get involved in the music scene. And the reason why I wanted to get Melissa in the show for this one is because you yourself are a standard bearer of that music scene. <laughs> I think that might be exaggerating. But the reason why I did ask you why you only dabbled in it briefly is a because... A pillar, a scion. Uh, all of the above. I do think I am living, breathing proof that you can actually, you know, have a full-time job and still uh, be involved in the music scene. I have done some of those open mics myself. Um, I know of many that I haven't actually performed at, but I've performed at several. And I do shows in San Francisco once every three or four months or so. I put together full shows, put together musicians, produce them all do the marketing, which is one of my favorite parts. Um, I have a friend who will do all of the graphics and the design for the marketing for me. And we do full shows, like 15 to 18 songs every few months. And we all have full-time jobs that are not necessarily music jobs, but the music scene in San Francisco is so... It's it's inviting, and you can participate in it even if you are just a, uh, for lack of a better phrase, a weekend warrior or a weekend rock star or, or something like that. It's it, There are ways to get up and perform and and do it, even if it's not what you're trying to do for a living. 
And so that is exactly what we want to talk about here today. How you weekend warriors, we're, we're going to we're gonna really own that term today. We're going to embrace it. We're going to embrace it. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any shame in being a weekend warrior or even a Tuesday night warrior because there are places open, you know, every night of the week. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to swing the barn doors open and explain to folks how you can just jump in with two feet and get involved in all this. And to help us do that, you actually, uh, intrepid professional reporter that you are, went out and Always. met... <laughs> There, there, there was no read absolutely no sarcasm into that statement. that was a sincere statement intrepid reporter sincerely felt statement uh you went out and you actually spoke to some of the people that have already made some headway uh in this scene to ask how they did it absolutely i mean so we actually went out and we talked to professional musicians who started here in the bay area or are currently working in the bay area because even though i personally like being a hobbyist musician this is a scene that can help um it can help professional musicians go one of them is megan slanker she is a singer songwriter she emerged from the Bay Area music scene. She's currently on a national tour, and she's working on a new album, but her roots absolutely are in the Bay Area. Born in Sunnyvale and moved out to Tracy and then eventually kept moving west, and now I'm in the city, in San Francisco. So while she was growing up in Tracy, which, by the way, for our international listeners, is just outside of the Bay Area, uh, she began playing pretty early. She began playing gigs when she was a teenager, actually, and some of those gigs were pretty cool. I kind of got my start playing this cool open mic they had. They broadcast it on the local community station, TV station. Some were a little less cool. The Lolly Hansen Senior Center. That was the definition of local. I built up a lot of chops doing that, but I loved it. I cherished those days. And um, then uh, my first paid gig at the Great Plate in Tracy, California. I was 15 years old. So then she decided to actually get out of Tracy, and she turned her attention to open mics in San Francisco. She was still pretty young, though. She was under 18, so that itself brought some challenges. There were definitely some where I would drive all the way to San Francisco from Tracy, only to find the open mic was um, not all ages. And I was, like, young, you know, 17-year-old, like, trying to find all of the open mics around. The thing is, she stuck this out like a lot of artists do. She kept trying, and so despite her age, she actually did find an audience. I think the great thing about open mics is it's kind of that really supportive community. Everybody knows that that's where we built up a lot of chops, and so it feels very loving. I still love doing them, you know. It's really great. Traveling through on tour, sometimes if we ever have a day off, we'll look up the city and see if there are any open mics in the, the area that we're in. Now, open mics certainly are not unique to the Bay Area. They happen all over the country, of course, we all know. But something that Megan said, and that I think a lot of Bay Area musicians would agree with, is that here in the Bay Area music scene, there's a really, really strong sense of community. I'm definitely a Bay Area girl. I I feel like this community has sort of shaped me as a human being. I love just the culture, the the kind of people who are, who are here, the kind of musicians who are here. It's just I feel like it's a very um, loving and accepting community, and I don't know, I, lo- I love it. I love being a part of it. It's a nice home base. 
You know, just personally, Keith, I can actually relate to that because I'm, as I mentioned, a completely like super part-time musician, just hobbyist. I'm not doing it to make money. But you go to an open mic and that doesn't matter. There was one in Alameda that I used to go to several years ago. And actually, I'm just going to tell you all now, Doug, KCBS's Doug Sovereign played at that open mic with me at one point. What? Yeah, he plays bass and I dragged That's him amazing. there. And another woman who used to work here, she was a singer-songwriter and we all went and this was the beginning of my going to this open mic, which I ended up going to for several years. And it just, you know, you walked in and they were so welcoming and I would you know I would pick monkey songs album tracks and you know I wasn't even born when these songs came out Mm -hmm. and I don't think the guy who was running the open mic was either and it just it it was so welcoming and it, it everybody listened and everybody was supportive and nobody cared that I personally hadn't written the songs that I was mm-hmm. uh, singing, let alone that I was picking, I'm not joking, a random monkeys album track, or maybe it wasn't <laughs> an album track. It might've been a single. It was in the sixties. Who knows? So much talent walking the halls of KCBS. <laughs> I, why did we even go outside to interview people about the music scene? We could have just done in-house interviews the whole way through. Oh, Doug would have done it in a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that that's just to give some perspective on what's a little bit special about uh, the music scene here in the Bay Area. And I want to bring in another voice right now, uh, a guy that I interviewed, and he is somebody, the reason that I want to talk to him is he is actually one of the people that is working to make this as inviting a place as possible. Hey, Jim, Melissa. It's good to see you. Good, good to see you. This is Melissa Lynn, ladies and gentlemen. I want to say hi, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. I'm talking there about Casey Turner. Uh, He is a promoter who hosts an open mic night event uh, himself, and he also runs his own promotion company, Casey Turner Presents. Uh, He also represents Megan Slankard, who we just heard from a second ago. little connection there. What he told me was that as a musician himself, he definitely understands that open mic nights can be a little intimidating. So he says his philosophy is as follows. As a host, I always thought, well, I need to... I need to harness no matter what if someone's incredible or they're just getting started and they're learning tempo to treat everyone. I always say treat them like Bono. Treat them just like a king of rock, you know, like like they're the best thing ever because that positive enforcement and just encouragement creates community and, and encourages them to keep working on their craft. And so I think open mics are so important to jump off to the next level because you've got to cut your teeth somewhere. All right, so that's the warm and fuzzy perspective. Obviously, you know, folks want you to succeed. He wants you to succeed. We want you to succeed. But there are ways to succeed even better. There there, there are good ways to approach the music scene here, and then there are even better ways to approach the music scene here. And that's what we're all about here on How To Bay Area is dispensing knowledge on how to do things even better. And uh, so to really drill down on that point, I'm going to play uh, my entire conversation with Casey Turner for uh, You Fine Folks, where he really breaks it down step by step, how to make the most of your time. And to start things off, uh, he says that it is important to hit that music scene hard, you know, really dive in and get to know all the options that are out there. Not just in San Francisco, per se, but throughout the Bay Area and the East Bay and North Bay and South Bay and make friends at those events. You know, don't just go there perform your song that you're good at playing and singing at, go for the whole duration of the night if you can, hear other people, don't make it all about what you're trying to convey, make it about, uh, it's a community, so you want to go and if you hear someone that, that that warms your heart with their song, or you like them, or you think that you can maybe even collaborate with them, that's, I hate the word networking, but network with other artists and make friends, 
And then if they're playing a show and they've already established themselves a little bit more than you already have, go go see them play. Support the scene. And I think that's the real that's the the groundwork to eventually saying, hey, can we share a show together sometime? And and then you pick a spot that like the Bazaar Cafe is a great example, a place where it's a pass the hat and you bring some friends out and then you start building your audience that way slowly and organically. And then eventually you maybe play the Lost Church, which is like 60 seats and you charge a ticket. So that's it. it, it build okay, up. Let's, yeah. let's slow down for Sorry. one sec. Slow down for one sec. Thank so, you. okay. So <laughs> what is, what are some good spots to start at? Mm. So the, you know, spots come and go, right? But uh, Bizarre Cafe is definitely one of the my favorite spots uh, that I started off at uh, in 2005 when I moved here. I went to their open mic every Thursday, and they recently changed ownership, so they're reopening under new ownership, and they're going to keep live music there. And it's one of the most welcoming scenes. It's really cool because there's no microphone there, so that that's where I personally got started off. And then I started hosting my own open mics, and so. Um, folks coming to mind. I mean, I'm uh, the first Tuesday of every month is open to anyone, you know, to come and play music. We've got a house piano, a house drummer. Uh, I record the night, so you can you can take that recording and track yourself. You know, come back and be like, oh my god, I've gotten better. You actually can see the progress that you're you're working on. Um, the Freight and Salvage in Berkeley has mm-hmm. got a, a monthly open mic that is highly. Just ra- that place is amazing, hmm. and I highly recommend going there. It's a big stage. It's it's a little scarier because you're like in a big theater, but it's really cool to experience what it's like to be on a stage like that, from a coffee shop to that to the Lost Church. Um, the Neck of the Woods is great. You know, it's got more of a bar vibe, and mm-hmm. and some people might complain. Well, it's not as listening as big, a, n- nice as a listening room as the Lost Church or Bazaar, but I think it's important to not just spoil yourself in the nicest of rooms. I think it's mm-hmm. good to go play a bar where people might be talking. And the Utah has a little bit of both those worlds. Sometimes it's a nice listening room night. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's a sports game going on. You're going to hear the crowd over your song. I think that's okay because that makes you better. You know, mm-hmm. it, it can help thicken your skin and help you focus on what you're doing because not everyone's always going to love what you're doing. Yeah. And you've got to be able to overcome that. Yeah. Uh, the Riptide on Monday nights as well is a really fun one. It's more of a bar vibe, but again, Super welcoming atmosphere. A lot of regulars from the neighborhood go there. If you go there regularly, you're more likely to make friends and just, again, just get better at what you're doing because you're trying to win people over in those scenarios. Where in the audience, like at the Lost Church, when we do ours, everyone's with you because my open mic is called Shh, Onwriters Open Mic Night. So I shush people if they talk. It's, it's very much catered to a listening room environment when you walk in the door. So that's that can spoil you though, because if you go to a bar, mm, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good so. point. Okay, so I've I've done uh, one or two open mic nights. I'm starting to get into the scene. I've done, like you said, I've tried to meet a few people at these bars uh, as as I've performed. What what is the next step? So like the next level, my understanding, and correct me here if I'm wrong. The next step is people start to notice you, and then you become a featured uh, performer. Yeah, um, so I don't do feature performers at my open mic just so I can get as many people to play. But most open mics, that's kind of the the standard. Like, there's a feature performer in the middle of the night. They play for twenty or thirty minutes. The Hotel Utah does that. I think Neck of the Woods does. Yeah, I mean that is that's a good goal to have. We get, I did that at previous open mics I hosted, and and people kept coming and coming until they were ready for that thirty minute set. And that's the that's the best feeling in the world when a host says, "I'd like to feature you," you know. It's like getting booked for a gig. At Bizarre Cafe, um, the previous owner would have a thing where as you're leaving, after you've played open mic a bunch of times, as you're leaving, he'd be like, hey, 
so when are you going to play a show here? And you're like, what? <laughs> and he's like, when are you going to play here? What do you, oh, you're asking me to play. So that was always a good goal to have less of Bizarre Cafe to finally say, hey, when, when are you going to play a Saturday night here? You know, and it's those little milestones that help. It helped me personally grow and and have the confidence to keep writing and keep performing, and uh, know that I'm accomplishing some goals. So making goals that are realistic, I think, are super important. Don't jump ahead and think you can sell a hundred tickets and 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 then disappoint yourself if it doesn't happen. Uh, collaborating with local artists on co-bills, whether it be at the Hotel Utah ticketed show night or the Lost Church or just a coffee shop gig like Bizarre Cafe or I believe Sacred Grounds is another one out in the out of Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, putting those kind of small shows together and, and working together in the community gets attention of other people. And if you're good at what you're doing, you know, people who aren't performers that are just music fans, they'll turn their heads and they'll listen, you know, but you got to just keep hammering it out. Okay. So you've been uh, performing for a little bit of time. You, you actually like maybe have a local fan base at this point. You've been invited to do, uh, invited as a featured performer here and there. People know who you are at this point. What is the next step in your journey to Bay Area music superstardom? <laughs> I think the next step might be to gather, you know, five to 10 of your best songs and record an album and you know that's another conversation like what does that mean do you make cds and all that but record an album have something to share with people um so if someone says hey i really like your music you want to be able to sell them some or at least have something on your website something where they can share it with their friends and uh and then experience what what they just saw again and then when they come back and see you now they know your songs and they're singing along and and that's kind of like that artist fan connection you know with from live performance to you know physical or digital uh music that they can relive that those moments from there you know i think it's time to think about maybe playing touring you know maybe leaving town and maybe you start really small if you live in san francisco maybe you start playing shows up in petaluma and santa rosa or down in santa cruz or in the East Bay or uh, Vallejo, you know, really start kind of like where it's not in the city, but you're doing something outside of your uh, comfort zone and, and then creating more friends and more community right outside of here, which is only like you know 30 minutes to an hour away, which is doable and manageable. And then eventually that kind of spirals to maybe we'll do it in Modesto. Maybe we'll go to Sacramento, maybe up to Redding, maybe up to Portland someday, you know, starting like right here at home and then slowly kind of growing what you have. That way you're not always playing for the same people and you're growing as a songwriter and as a a performer and maybe playing in front of people who aren't all your friends and you've got to re kind of establish yourself like, Hey, I got to keep it where you can win people over to a degree with your songs or your craft. And so let's, let's do some uh, do's and don'ts Mm. of moving forward in the Bay Area scene. What, what are some things that folks can do to make themselves more successful in this scene, and what are some things that would make you less successful? Hmm. I mean, this is all my opinion, but I think things that can make you more successful is is paying attention to what other people are doing around you and not, not 100% just focused on you and yourself. Um, supporting your community. Like I said, like when you go to the open mic, don't just go there, play and leave. That's you're missing the entire point of what open mic night is. I think it's about sharing what you have to share, but then hearing what other people have to share as well. And that only makes you better, I think, as a person and as an artist. But then it, it helps nurture your community. So you're part of it. So I think that's that's a big that's a big yes to being successful is just not making it all about you, because being an independent artist is 
it's a super narcissistic business. You know, you're 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 fending for yourself. You're you know, you're probably your own booking agent, your own manager, your own promoter. So you're constantly talking about yourself and your music, your face, everything about. And I think the artists I know that have a way of touching with that and doing it tastefully, but also stepping out of that and not making it always about them. They they grow faster sometimes. Mm. I feel like yeah, because people that attracts people. Yeah, when you're a little bit not super focused on the end. And so that the, there is really like a community sense uh, in, in in the scene. I mean, especially since as somebody who's been to a few open mic nights, if you really do spend the whole night at an open mic night, you are signing up for some varying quality in music. Sure, you, you're gonna sit. I mean, not necessarily folks that are bad, but you are going to sit through some axiom. No, no, no. There's some folks that are bad. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay to say that. Um, I, I mean, I would never tell someone that they're not good or anything because I've seen folks that maybe would be considered bad, yeah. and then in a year, they're good, and then in two years, like they're playing gigs. It's like everyone has a chance to work on what they're doing. And yeah. Some, and you got to start somewhere. That's. I'm very like. I never like to be judgmental. And that's mm-hmm. why one of the reasons when I started the Lost Church up in Mike, I stopped doing featured performers because uh-huh. I didn't want anyone to feel like they're lifted above mm-hmm. anyone else, uh, no matter what. I want everyone to feel the same playing field. We're all welcome here. Yeah. And that's, I think that's just important for growth and encouragement because I want to encourage people to go home and practice and, and, and just keep getting better. Don't ever let, don't feel like you hit a wall because you can't sing as well as this person does, you know, find out what works for what you're doing and, I think as a host, it's really important to be positive about that. And I just don't ever want to discourage someone from keeping the perform, no matter what quality or talent they actually have. Yeah. You know, I keep going, you know. So one of the reasons I'm, I'm really glad to have your perspective on this is because, as uh, we discussed earlier, you, you have uh, worked in other towns as well. You have experience mm-hmm. in uh, how the local music scene works in, in other cities. And I know that yeah. there's wide variation. I used to live in Taipei, Taiwan, and they wow. have like a, the tiniest of tiny music scenes. Everybody like it's, you know, 40 people. Everybody knows everybody. Couldn't be smaller. Uh, but there's some like, you know, there's some good acts there. Uh, but it's it's a very distinctive scene. Uh, then my buddy, who is, is a great guitarist, he moved to Vancouver recently and he can't find a place to play. There's just there is not that kind of you, you either know the guy who is the promoter and will give you a show or you have nothing. It's like Nowhere. it's it's really a binary. Nowhere to cut your teeth. Exactly. Yeah. There's no the those those bottom couple of rungs on the ladder just aren't there. So how how unique is this uh, San Francisco scene? Because you know anybody can really walk into it. It's very accessible. So how unique is that? I think it's it's unique because the community here doesn't have. Um, I, I've said this before. Like doesn't have like a cutthroat angle it doesn't feel competitive here mm-hmm. although there might be some you know competitive angles but i really truly feel like um people are here to help each other um when i go to some other markets around the united states i feel like a little bit it's a little bit more of a competition and i just don't get a sense of that here at all i feel like people are very encouraging and if someone's already established or doing something and they see someone they like they're way more i feel like they're very likely to lend out a hand and and help and I've just seen that consistently in the last 10 years in the Bay Area, which is awesome. I, lo- I just love that vibe. But do you risk, I mean, with that friendlier culture and that less cutthroat mentality, do, do you risk getting soft in an environment like this? Like you go to L.A. and you realize everybody there is just uh, hard as nails and you can't hack it there? I mean, like, I definitely know folks that they play music here and they, they, they feel like they've got it dialed in and then they move to Austin or Nashville 
and it's like, oh man, I got some practicing to do because if you go if you go to any bar in Nashville, every musician playing there, it's just a bar for tips. They're unbelievable. It's like the best thing you've ever seen, and it's at a bar. Um, you know, I, we have great artists here, but we don't have bars like that where you walk in and it's like, here's this dude that plays six nights a week and, you know, just unbelievable. So, I mean, you, I think it's good to travel and it's, it's good to go see what, I mean, these other places are, are growing. Um, I don't know about New York and LA as much, but I, I, for songwriters, I feel like Austin and Nashville are, are kind of up there and, and have been for a long time, primarily because you can afford to live there and be a touring artist and, there's communities there, you know, co-writing and, and all the agents live there. You know, there's, it's like a, it's like a, it's like Nashville is like the LA for folk music, mm-hmm. you know, and Americana music. Uh, Cause you, you go there and make things happen. So people stay there. But, um, I, you know, I think, I think it's important to go there as a, uh, an artist and see just to see what they're up to and, and see how hard they work and what their ethics are. And then bring some of that culture back here. I meet a lot of people that move here from other places and it, it is very different. Um, I meet I meet fewer people that are doing this for a living here, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that I think that's the difference. So, like, if you've got to do this and you, this is how you're putting food on the table, you're gonna have a different kind of probably approach to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and but not everyone I meet at Mike is their goal is, is not to sell at Great American Music Hall and tour. Sometimes it's just to hone their craft and be the best they can be, and that's great. If you're trying to be all in and a professional. You know, you might get looked at differently because it's like, okay, well, now you're trying to, you know, get out there and compete and sell tickets and and make a living at it, and it's that's a whole nother. Mm-hmm. It's beyond working on your craft at that point. It's a business at that you know, and and the mentality it takes, I think, to do that and not burn out is really hard. What do you think it is about the Bay Area that has produced this much friendlier, warmer, cuddlier music scene as opposed to other cities? That's a good question. Um, it's so pretty here. Everyone's in a good mood. Uh, it, you know, it's it's a small city, but it do, I don't feel – it doesn't – I mean, there's so much going on here, but it, it just doesn't feel like the – there's no edge here like New York. And there's no like – I don't get anxiety like I do when I go to Los Angeles, um, not to call out those two cities, but there's something a little bit more laid back. It's like the California vibe. Everyone's – you know, I think – when I look around San Francisco, like I'm looking at your window right now, I'm looking at Coit Tower. I'm like, what am I doing here? This is amazing. <laughs> like I'm so lucky it'll be here. And that right there is calming and makes me happy. So I kind of translate that right there, my environment, right into my personal life my, with my connections and, and my career. So I'm in a good mood most of the time. I think it's because of where I live. The air is clean. Mm-hmm. There's an ocean right there. I'm just happy. It's beautiful here. And maybe that's why. Not that New York and L.A. aren't beautiful. San Francisco is more beautiful. (laughs) I'm just going to lay that out there. Uh, We win. Got to call a spade a spade sometimes. (laughs) Um, I think that might be the environment here is just rad. It's good food, good, good people. Um, It's accepting here. You know, all for the history here has always been so accepting to uh, different walks of life. And uh, if you if you come here, you can. uh, I feel like that's what San Francisco is based on. Like, everyone has always been accepted here. All right. And once again, that was uh, my conversation with Casey Turner of Casey Turner Presents. 
And I thought that was nice to give us a little theoretical foundation if this is making it in the music industry 101. We just got the theoretical foundation for how to get started. Uh, but we here are all about putting things into practice. And uh, I think that that's where your reporting uh, can go once again. Absolutely. So we, we, you, Keith, you and I have talked about our experiences, you very briefly, and we're still going to sort of needle you about that and not understand why you're not doing it more. Anyway, that's for later in the podcast. I mean, if you people, if, if the people demand it, the people will demand it. We'll find out. <laughs> the people demand it. Um, <laughs> we've talked about my hobby of singing and my, and my sort of, uh, we will embrace it, my weekend warrior-ness. And we talked to Megan Slankard, who is somebody who started doing this when she was very, very young. But maybe you're listening right now, or, or maybe you know somebody who is already an adult who didn't start playing guitar and didn't start writing songs as a teenager, but really wants to make this happen. You know, that can happen, too. And a lot of times, sort of the great thing about the Bay Area is the Bay Area has a very strong economy. Mm. So perhaps you're in a nine to five job that you can then leverage. You can use that salary to help you. And I bring this up because we spoke to somebody who did exactly that. She made the jump from, you know, sort of this nine to five decent paying job into forming a band, which has been a passion of hers for a long time. I've wanted to do this since I was a little kid. Um, my grandmother led the choir in our um, our church. I was raised Catholic. And there was just something so moving about music and how, and especially when everyone would sing together. That is Brandy Cheek. She is the lead singer and she is the founder of a relatively new band called Swamp Child. So Brandy knew that she wanted to pursue music, but she came from a low-income household. And so therefore everything was about practicality and getting a good job and supporting yourself. But a little bit of Silicon Valley good fortune came her way. I joined a tech company that ended up doing pretty well, going into hypergrowth, and I was allowed kind of like the latitude or room in my life to decide and think about what actually I want to achieve. And so what Brandy did is she started taking voice lessons, and she actually had, I, I think, the good fortune. Um, I'm not sure how she found her teacher, but she had the good fortune of working with somebody who did more than just say, okay, here are these vo vocal exercises, here's how you breathe, here's how you stay on pitch. She actually was a really intuitive teacher and saw in her the passion and found a way to harness that and to encourage her to pursue music exclusively. I decided to save up as much as I could and do it full time. And she quit her job. <laughs> she, oh, she quit her job. She quit her job. Okay. And she did that to start her own band. So it was a little bit hard to know where to start, but she turned to something very reliable. I kind of just went on the internet and I noticed that Hotel Utah kept popping up as the best open mic in the area, in the Bay Area. And so I was like, why not just give it a try? Um, I had one of my friends just play piano and I signed up for it. And we just kind of did one song because you get one song um, per night. And it turns out the Hotel Utah isn't just a good place to go and sing your own song or two. It's actually a good place if you're looking for bandmates because there's a lot of people who go to that open mic. I um, saw this other guy playing slide guitar, which I had really wanted slide guitar for my band and not everyone plays that. And so I started talking to him and that ended up being the co-founder of the band, Rob Hagel. And so he plays lead guitar in our band now and we started writing songs together. And then once that relationship happened, it was pretty easy to find the rhythm section and other people as we kept going to the open mics. 
and meeting and connecting to people and getting referred to other people that were that were playing the instruments that we needed and that liked the same sorts of music that we did. So her band, which we mentioned before, is called Swamp Child. They started doing shows in the spring of last year, and things really did come together pretty quickly because later that year, Swamp Child was accepted into a showcase, kind of a little unofficial showcase, at the South by Southwest Music Festival. So we felt really excited to be able to be included in something like that. We had only been a band for six months, and we had just laid down tracks on a professional, you know, recording. And so we were all just like, okay, let's just go down to Austin and do this. Now, the thing is, Keith, when you hit a stage like that, when, you know, you're not me playing a little San Francisco club, you in your very brief open mic tour, which by the end of this podcast, I will have needling you con- and needling. I will and needling. have you convinced to <laughs> revive it. And well, I guess that's, that's what we're trying to convince everybody else of. Precisely. <laughs> practice what you practice, what you preach, Keith Minconi, for goodness sake. Anyway, when you hit a stage bigger than the ones that, that maybe you and I have graced, a lot of different opportunities might present themselves. And the thing about Brandy is she is really interested also in fashion. And it's that sense of fashion that actually got Swamp Child a little bit more attention. So I'd spent a lot of time um, planning out all of my outfits for the shows we were doing down there. It was pretty cool because uh, a reporter from the New York Times Fashion had heard me singing, ended up coming in and seeing my outfit and wanting to take a photo of me for the New York Times fashion Instagram. And then it got on the Instagram and it was like thousands of likes or something like that. I had my like viral moment. I'm having the time of my life, like designing my own merch. And yeah, this is just really fun. And I'm just really happy to be able to do this. So you might be thinking, okay, well, this sounds really good for Brandy. She's just a couple years into this band, and she got to play South by Southwest, and she had a viral moment because of this Instagram. But this doesn't – can I really do this myself? I don't think I can do this myself. This is why we talk to these people, because Mm -hmm. they actually have advice for us. And we're we're taking their experience, and we're gleaning all of the good nuggets. And (laughs) Here at KCBS, we can glean nuggets. Imagine that. (laughs) New technology. Mixing. We can glean nuggets, and we can mix all the metaphors we want. (laughs) (laughs) Perfectly acceptable. (laughs) One of the things that Brandy says is really important is to network, and to network a lot. And to and get get your notebook ready now if you're thinking, you know, I want to be in South by Southwest within a year of forming a band or something like that. It's really, frankly, just all about the hustle. Going to the, the Hotel Utah open mic, you meet a lot of fellow musicians and they see you perform and say, oh, I think that you'd be a compliment to my band on a bill. And so they'll invite you to kind of be on a bill together. And then that kind of spreads out and networks from there. So then you get involved in, um, like, Balance Breakfast has, like, a group forum on Facebook. And Balance Breakfast is a national group that organizes get-togethers for people who are in the music industry. There's, like, local forums for, you know, different show, like, different show opportunities. Indie on the Move is something we use a lot. That's a booking website. Just to get notifications of when people need bands to play at different things. We also look at venues' calendars and see if there are open slots on their calendars and just email them and say, can we play that night? We'll put a a bill together. After you, I mean, it's kind of hard to do that before you have a professional recording to share, but it's still doable by like just getting in with other bands and getting on their bills. So if somebody was just starting out, I would say, you know, network, make the time to make friends, musician friends in the community because 
the San Francisco and Bay Area music scene is so helpful and so friendly. All right, so yet another endorsement for the friendliness of the Bay Area music scene. I guess I really don't have any excuse for not you just don't. jumping in myself, especially since I made a whole show about it. And do you know what I'm learning right now? What's that? It's important to have friends. <laughs> friends push you further. Friends push you further. You make friends. There's a, there's, I think it was a Barbara Streisand song, People Who Need People Are the Luckiest People. People who need people. I think every single person we've talked to would agree with that sentiment. All right. So we found some, uh, we, we learned <laughs> about more than just music today. <laughs> people who need people are the luckiest people. But in our um, conversation, aside from my Barbara Streisand reference just now, we've been talking exclusively about kind of pop and rock music, but there is so much more to the Bay Area music scene than that. And as a result of that, we also spoke with a jazz and cabaret singer, Paula West, and she has been performing in the Bay Area for 30 years. I think that's longer than you've been alive. Uh, well, he has no comment. But what's really interesting about her, and if you've ever heard her sing, you might be as shocked as I was to learn this. There was a boy. Is that she's a professional singer who didn't actually set out to have a career in the arts, but it's the San Francisco music scene that made that possible for her. I just felt like I needed a creative outlet. I felt it'd be nice to sing every once in a while. Very I I was a drawn to singing standards so that was more in the jazz realm and I would go to some open mics which they had you know usually on Sundays and Mondays maybe on Tuesday nights and so I would go to open mics and you know you, you might be able to sing two songs so from the open mic stages of these clubs in North Beach where she started to venues such as the now shuttered Plush Room, Feinstein's at the Nico, which is still open, of course, and SF Jazz, West works consistently both in the Bay Area and actually in New York. And she says there certainly are venues outside of San Francisco itself where people can enjoy jazz and pop standards. Places in the East Bay like Sound Room and Cafe Stritch in the South Bay. Half Moon Bay, the Bach Dancing and Dynamite Society is wonderful. They put these great Sunday afternoon concerts on. One thing we should note, though, is that those North Beach jazz clubs that hosted the open mics where Wes got her start, she said that they've all actually closed. Oh. It, economics can be something that are an issue or can be an issue. And it's probably something that we would be remiss if we didn't uh, discuss here in our, our How to Bay Area podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually something that Casey Turner, bringing him back into the conversation for a moment, uh, mentioned in my conversation with him, pointing out that as the Bay Area gets more expensive for all of us, uh, musicians are not spared. And that has uh, meant a number of, there's been a number of, you know, dislocations uh, for musicians, both in terms of it's harder for them to physically live here, but then it's also been more difficult for the venues themselves that would host these musicians. And one of one of the most pronounced uh, effects that that has had is that it's knocked out some of the bottom rungs of that performance ladder. Some of the very first venues you might have an opportunity to perform in, well, a lot of them are going away, says Casey. There used to be more places to play open mic nights and 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 play small shows and really you know, have a band and have a rock room that let more up-and-coming bands play and you're seeing less and less of that you're seeing more cover bands taking over and tribute nights and and djs which there's nothing wrong with that it's just if you're an original artist and, a, and having a, a rock band it's it, you're working i think a little bit harder now than maybe you did 20 years ago 
So certainly something for uh, all of us to keep in mind that preserving a, the scene that we have described here takes the work of many different people and takes concerted effort. Uh, but so as not to end on a complete downer, Casey says that there are, in fact, a lot of people behind open mic nights, behind various artists, behind even, you know, as he does, performances in people's living rooms, which is a, a total other topic that we haven't even really touched on today. There are definitely people, he says, putting in the effort. They lay it down and they work so hard to keep those venues open, to, to have nights that may not make a lot of money, but can help someone grow. And it's, it's a win-win for the artists and a win-win for the city and the Bay Area to have those types of rooms. All right, so we are winding down the program now. That is uh, about everything you could possibly ever know about <laughs> the Bay Area open mic night, music circuit, other various kinds of circuits in uh, the Bay Area. And I don't know, Melissa, you, you're somebody who was already familiar with this stuff. Do you feel like you learned anything here today? Um, I, I, Like I said before, I learned that making friends is important. If you're a shy person, that which, believe it or not, I actually am, so that might be a little bit difficult for you. But one thing that we've talked about is how incredibly welcoming the Bay Area music scene is. Whatever level you happen to be entering in on, whether you're an absolute beginner, whether you've moved here from someplace else and you have a lot of experience, people are are ready to welcome you. We, you know, when I put together my little shows, I just ask my friends who play instruments or if, if they have friends who play instruments. And that way... I've actually met some really, really incredibly good musicians. I would have had no idea one way or another that they existed, mostly because I don't talk to strangers, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> but now you know you can. And you can. and Or at least sing to strangers. <laughs> and they, it, and what all of the musicians that we interviewed and what Casey said is, is all very, very true. People are very welcoming. You're not going to go into an open mic and have a lot of people staring at you meanly or something like that. Mm. Or you're not, if you book a show and it's not just your friends in the audience if you're someplace where there are other people there they're not going to make a face and get up and walk out people want to hear this stuff the great thing about the bay area is that it's a place that nurtures the arts it nurtures music and people are interested in it here nurturing that's what we're all about now you know how to do it you have no excuse nine to fivers weekend warriors no excuse you got to do it i got to do it i want to when melissa pushes me out <laughs> to do the open mic night i want to see all of you there too i was going to say keith is going to lead by example now and he is going to go back to the open mic scene and i'll be up in the front that uh, from from her mouth to your ears and we will let that be the final point we'll let that be the resting note for this uh for this program this once again has been how to bay area kcbs's show on how to get things done in the bay area I am Keith Manconi. And I'm Melissa Colross. And we will have another one for you very soon, so stay tuned, everybody. Special thanks to all the artists who lended their voices and their music to the show today. And also want to thank Geoff Svensgaard, who helped us track down some of the audio for today's program. He is an open micer himself. You can check out his work and his new music project, Sonic Tsunami on YouTube and SoundCloud. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.